All right, let's go. Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon or good evening, wherever you are. Today, I've got the pleasure of interviewing Nicola, who is based in Switzerland and who is involved with the Fidelio ITN network. So, Nicola, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your career so far? My career starts uh, when I become a master's student, actually, uh, because I was really excited by science and also by exercise. So I decided to move in a lab uh, investigating the effect of exercise on the bone tissue. And I would say that from here, everything starts because I start to discuss uh, in this lab with a lot of people. I decided to do a PhD and to focus particularly on aging or the effect on aging on the musculoskeletal tissue. And there I start to perform my PhD in the uh, lab of uh, Daniel Cortex and Laurent Benamou, which has an uh, INSERM team in Orléans. And there, again, I start to improve my network. So during my PhD, I move uh, in France in different labs, but I also move in the US. And then when I finish my uh, PhD during a meeting, I met uh, Professor Serge Ferrari, We got a big lab in uh, the University of Geneva. And uh, I take a postdoc position there, actually. And I stay there for more than uh, 12 years, where I, I become a senior postdoc, uh, then I become a fellow. And now, since two years, I'm working in Nestle, actually. Uh, but I have the chance to stay involved in different academic projects. Why did you make the choice of shifting towards working in an industrial setting? There is a, a lack of understanding of what it means to do research in an industrial setting. There are lots of assumptions that are made, particularly in terms of the, you know, the people talk about academic freedom, freedom in studying what you want. I think that even researchers in academia are not as free as they think they are because there is a lot of constraint within research funding. It's not so easy. Of course, that's a mix. It's a combination of different things. I was performing more than 12 years in academia as a postdoc and fellow. I learned a lot and I, I understand that actually this idea that in academia you are free is totally wrong. Because if you want to be uh, still alive in academia, you have to get some grant. And if you have to have some grant, you have to be on the hot topic field with specific idea. For my personal experience, why I moved to industry? Because I had a lot of different network during my postdoc. I get a lot of different connections with industry. I have this opportunity. And actually, all the assumption that stick to the industry was totally wrong, actually, uh, because when I was performing this research with them in terms of collaboration, I've seen that actually they can do a really exciting research with really exciting questions, and they get huge knowledge and sometimes higher than in academia, actually, I would say. I also start to work on the impact of nutrition. Because when you do exercise nutrition, the interaction is re really important. And that's why I decided to move to Nestle, because they, they offer me a huge opportunity actually to develop new ideas and to have a huge impact, I would say, uh, 
on for the health of the human being. You've been working in Nestlé for the last two years. So how different does it feel to the research uh, wisdom than, you know, the experience that you've had so far working in academia? I mean, is there really a difference? Actually, for me, there is not so much difference because I'm working in Nestlé in a lab, asking some scientific question behind all the, the, the importance of having something at the end. But I would say the huge difference compared to academia, but I, I'm talking about my personal experience. I always work in, I would say, small lab with not much more than 10 or 12 people inside this lab directly. Whereas in industry, you have to work and to be connected with a lot of people because you are not alone in a project. You have to also get uh, some money You have to discuss with the production team. You have to discuss with the patent team. So the, the, the team is really huge. So uh, you have to learn to, to have some connection and to discuss with everybody. And that's the huge difference compared to academia form. So in a way, you, you have to interact with more stakeholders than uh, exactly. is expected. Okay. Exactly. That was mainly uh, my big surprise. You have to discuss with really a lot of people and it's useful. Actually, you learn a lot. I, I was not expecting to learn so much in a so short time just by discussing with people from different fields than mine, actually. So uh, it was really a, a good thing for me, actually, at that time. Why do you think that people have less of a tendency to do this in academia because it makes complete sense that engaging your end users, you know, even for research, you know, in universities, you will think that people will do it more. There is a push by a lot of the founders to get academics to do it, but at the same time, there, there are often resistance for people to do it. So wh why do you think there is still a resistance in the academic context? I think that in academic, you still focus on specific questions. You start to investigate and you're going to dig it, dig it, dig it a lot, a lot, a lot in detail. Uh, and sometimes forgetting, I would say, the first goal uh, of your research, uh, which is for me for the patient when you have a disease or to keep, to keep healthy people. And when you forget that and you, you start to be in academia and you can lose five years on digging on a detail of a specific signaling pathway, uh, which is great sometimes, but sometimes I would say that you, you, are, you are lost when you are on that idea. And that's why I think that's the big difference with industry and, and academia. So what do you think makes a collaboration with, uh, with people who have different roles or who, you know, come from different disciplinary backgrounds? So, you know, in the last two years, you know, you, if you've had to interact with people who, whose drivers and interests are very different, but who all need to come together to move a project forward. And, you know, there are collaborations that are great collaboration and uh, there are collaborations that are really hard. So, so in your case, what is it that you think that you're trying to do yourself to really make these, these interactions really successful? Actually, uh, the first few hours when you start to discuss with uh, people is really, really important for the future. 
And for me, that's why at the beginning or start, when you start to initiate a discussion with somebody which is new, the first things that I start to, to show them is that I'm exciting and quite highly motivated on this specific project. And when they see that, actually they say, wow, this guy is quite motivated. I want to join his project. And this changed everything. It was exactly the same in academia. When I start to show the first preliminary results and the people, the way you show your results, if you believe on your project, if you believe on your data, it changes everything. Uh, because everybody around you will see it and say, wow, this guy looks with a small result like that, look really exciting. It's, it means that there is something behind. And by this way, uh, they are quite exciting to be involved in this. And this, it's true not only for the people from our field, I would say, uh, people from outside our field, when they see that, they have exactly the same thing. That's why I still use this strategy uh, in Nestlé, because whatever the field you are coming, uh, they have this feeling. Uh, that's why, for me, the motivation, excitation uh, on a project is really key uh, in order that uh, at the end it would be a success. Otherwise, sometimes uh, it, it happens that if I see that the project is not exciting enough for me, I prefer to stop it. And that's uh, another uh, difference between industry and academia. Uh, because in academia, when a project starts to have some um, bad results or something like that, you're still working on it in order to find some results which are exciting. And you can lose times. Whereas actually in industry, if you have some first results which are bad, which are not going on the good way, you stop it. You, you're going to not lose your time to dig a little bit. Sometimes it can be a miss of opportunity, uh, that's for sure. But most of the time, actually, I think it's more useful to stop a project when it's, it's not bad, it's happened. Uh, your first hypothesis was wrong. Uh, you have to to admit that. And actually, sometimes it's difficult to say my uh, first hypothesis was wrong, actually. So that's the most difficult part in research for me. Uh, but it's happened, and you have to say, uh, stop. Now uh, I try once, two, three. So you have to stop when, when the result is not there. It's interesting you mentioning this because it's one of the reasons often that postdocs or PhD students decide not to move into industry because they have a feeling that if they have an interest and they really want to push and push and push and they feel that working in industry, they may be stopped by line managers and so by the company to kind of really try to dig deep in that. Actually, it's true, but you have to have the results for that. If you have really exciting results uh, and you are quite motivated and you show that your result is totally important for the field, you will see that the line manager will follow you because that's what they are looking for. They are waiting for uh, nice results and exciting results. So if you show that uh, because you have it in your pocket, they will believe you and they, they will go and, and give you uh, all the money and all the expectation that you need uh, in order to do your project. For sure, if there is something where the results are not clear, there is 
for sure they will say, no, no way. I'm going to stop your project because now it's more than one year or two years you're working on that and you have only uh, one positive uh, answer and two negative. So you cannot continue like that. And they have, at, at the end, actually, it takes time because sometimes it's difficult to say, I, I need to stop this project. But when, when the results are not there, you have to stop. There are many opportunities that, that are out there that we can take and opportunities that either we, we seek ourselves or that other people offer to us. And sometimes balancing between the opportunities that we should be taking, that we're scared of taking. So kind of reflecting on your career so far, the early years of re your research careers, were there some specific opportunities that you took that really shaped the way you were able to you know, navigate your career, that really opened doors? There is another word that for students is really important, is mobility. And mobility in research can be key and change totally your life in terms of uh, profession and also personal life, I would say. So for me, the, the key step was to decide to move to Switzerland because I start to learn a different way of doing research and science, uh, I would say. And really, this was really a surprise for me that uh, just by moving to a different lab, a different country, you have a different spirit, a different way of working. And actually, uh, for, Mark, for my personal career, it was really uh, a key step Uh, because from there, uh, I start to have some international connection uh, with a, a lot of people that I still still have uh, actually today. Uh, it brings me also a lot of friends, and friends in science is also really important. Uh, and actually, this changes also everything because you start to be connected with, I would say, people. Uh, five years ago, you were reading their publication. You, We're seeing that it's an amazing job that they are doing, and now you can discuss with them in a meeting or have a beer or a coffee, or and this change everything. Uh, so yes, for sure, to mobility is a key step in our job, I would say, because sometimes it's difficult, but it brings you a new connection, new network, and this for science is really key because alone you can you cannot do everything alone. And the connection is really mandatory in order to have some new idea, new perspective and everything. So I think that mobility is really a key word in science. Mobility could be anything, could be moving to the US, to Australia, to, you know, to Germany. Mm -hmm. So in your case, what was your approach in deciding, okay, that's the right place for me to move? And, you know, sometimes we don't know, sometimes we just jump into the unknown and have a go and see whether we like it or not. But did you have a strategy in, in choosing the, the group that you went to work with uh, when you moved to Switzerland? Yeah, actually, the, the group uh, at that time, it was the group of René Rizoli and Serge Ferrari. Actually, they had uh, international uh, recognition. So that was the first goal. And the second reason, uh, and this is important also to be aware, is it was not from a science point of view. It was from a family point of view, because for my case, if my family was not uh, happy, I would say I would not be happy uh, in my job. 
It's a balance between your personal career and the family. It's uh, always hard to, uh, to maintain. So that's why uh, Switzerland was really for me the, the best way uh, because uh, it was a, a good compromise between my science where I was really exciting and there was really, it was an amazing lab when I arrived uh, in Switzerland and also to keep my uh, personal environment happy, family, because otherwise if I move uh, in US and I get this opportunity in US or in Sydney, that I would have lost my family, for example, probably. And uh, this was totally uh, not possible in my head. And I'm sure I wouldn't have made bullshit, I would say, in terms of science, if my family uh, was not following me uh, on that mobility strategy. So it's a mix. You have to understand that it's a mix between your scientific expectation and your personal expectation. Can you tell us about uh, the period that you had when you worked at the university? What was it like uh, and in terms of progressing? First, when uh, I arrived as a postdoc, it was really the first two years was really exciting because you are a postdoc, you can do, uh, you have a grant for two years. So it was my case. So I was quite happy and I was not seeing the future. I would say I was not, uh, I had at that time no strategy for that. My goal was to perform my postdoc and publish. That's it. But after actually I understand that to have a position in academia, it's quite hard because there is a lot of competition and there is few positions. That's why I decided to perform a second postdoc in the same lab, but in a different way by starting to understand that I have to have my own field, my own question, independently of my mentor. And this was really important because when you are in academia, actually, if you work at a, as a team, it's good for the leader, I would say, for the mentor. But actually, for all the postdocs which are there, you cannot have or expect to have a position as exactly the same as your mentor because the academia would not give two positions for two people doing the same thing. So you have to now, the second important word in academia is to be independent. So at the end of my first postdoc, now my strategy was not anymore to have some nice publication, but to lead independently a scientific question. And this was a hard time, I would say, because you have to start to say no to your mentor uh, without fighting with him. Uh, because actually, I was really uh, was starting for me to be a friend, this mentor, because he, he, I learned a lot with him. So it's, it's a difficult time, this transition, I would say, where you have to be independent, but to still be under the supervision of your mentor because you are in his lab. And uh, there is a switch where uh, you start to discuss with him and you ask him, can I submit my first paper as a last author, which means that you are independent? And can I submit a grant without you, your name, on that grant? And this is the two key steps for me, which was really hard to get it because uh, they have also to 
have their name in their grant, their name in their paper, because uh, they cannot uh, do everything. So that was a hard time for me. From one country to another, that transition can look very different in terms of the way the funding works. So, for example, in the UK, often people will be more likely to get their first independent funding, but may have to move to another institution. It's uh, often not necessarily well perceived to stay in the same lab because there is a perception by some of the founders that you're not truly independent if you stay in the same place. So what was it like for you in terms of staying in the same research group and getting your independent funding? Because again, the, the thing of having to say no to your to the person, you know, the PI that you were working with before and still staying in the same environment, it's not necessarily easy. So how did you approach that within the, the, the Swiss context? of whatever funding is available, which may be different in other countries. Yeah, no, no, actually, it's totally true. So actually, I get first, I get some small funding from specific foundation. And then I get some specific funding from Europe, I would say. I never get, uh, that you touch the right point, I never get a Swiss grant, I would say, because there was already my mentor of Serge Ferrari who get it, and you cannot get it in the same topics, I would say. So that was my hard time. So yes, for sure, I, I was when I was a fellow there, I was working only by a private foundation uh, or specific association, and then all from big grants coming from Europe. And when I start to get there, uh, I would say it's the reason that was that my scientific question was totally different from uh, my previous mentor. And that's why I started to have my own field, I would say. And this was really key for me. And I start there to have new network, new connection, totally different from the one that I, I had before which were the same than, I would say, my mentor. And by this way, it changed everything. And there, I start to have the connection with industry and with people that my mentor didn't know before. And there, I was not seen anymore as the postdoc of my mentor or the, like that, and I was the PI. And this changed a lot in my mind and in the mind of the people in front of me including the academia. What was your approach to make that shift? Because when you've done a postdoc and you've spent several years completely focused on a topic, you have a sense, okay, this is my topic, that's my expertise. And in a way, shifting the research questions that you're asking to something that's slightly different, that becomes, you know, people often use the term niche, the niche of your next topic. How did you navigate that period of transition? There are conversations that needs to be had with the mentor that you have in terms of the, the research questions that you may want to ask, maybe direction that, you know, that the principal investigator wants to carry on themselves. And there is no point to be in competition and overlapping in terms of what you're asking with your mentor. Like you said, in terms of asking for funding, it makes things too complicated. So what was your approach to make a decision on, okay, that's going to be my next thing and my PI is okay with it. And I know that I can be competitive in this area. For me, I decided because there was some 
fighting starting. And in order to avoid to be too much in this fighting, I decided to do two different meetings, two big discussions with my PI and with few people at that time at the university in order to fix everything. And this huge discussion that we have with my mentor was really helpful for me and also for him also, I would say, that it changed also. It was really a key key step, another key step uh, in my career to have a, a really a good discussion and tell everything that I had in mind. I would say I tell him uh, what was my feeling the way I want to work now, the bad thing that I've seen before, the good things, and the way I want to work now. And we decide to, to build, it's not a strategy, but I, it then he, he gave me some good tips, I would say. And for that, I'm really quite happy uh, that we have this discussion. And I, at the end, he still supports me, but in totally different way. Not officially, but just giving tips in order to improve my my scientific question, which was totally independent from me. And uh, we start to shift and to have our own, I would say, scientific question, himself and myself. And there, I think that it was really good for me. And I did it also by making some new connection at the university in a totally different field than my field. I was starting to discuss with more people coming from endocrinology, from all the metabolism field. And I actually, when we start to have this discussion and start to shift and to have our own world, everything was okay. So it takes one year, I would say of transition between finishing all my previous questions, scientific questions, and start uh, to have some new exciting idea, it takes one year for me to, to do that. What, what you're so saying is really fascinating because you use the word feeling, expressing feeling, which often you know people avoid doing in professional context. But I think that the the, the relationship, the, the interaction between PIs or you know mentors and, and and scientists, young scientists, emotions are high in terms of the research that you want to do. You know, battles of ideas and feelings are there, and often. You know, these periods of transition, there is a lot of anxiety and vulnerability from early career researchers. And having a space to express it with mentors is really important. But people often avoid doing it because it feels really a bit scary. How do you think that you sort of prepared yourself mentally to have this early discussion, to be able to express how you wanted to work with him, how you wanted to change the dynamic of interaction? in a way that you felt you where you kind of knew what you wanted, but were really open to the conversation? Actually, the, I, I decided to do this discussion because I had a lot of frustration. I start to I say, no, it, it's, it's not good to, to have this, this feeling, this, all this frustration regarding my scientific question that I was working. And I think probably it was my mistake to stay focused always on this specific scientific uh, question. And I say, oh, I want to really uh, keep this scientific question. And I was believing that this scientific question was the only one, the most important one in the world. 
And I forget in that time that we can build a new scientific question much more exciting. And you can build, you have a range of questions that can be uh, built, which is amazing. And I forget that at that time. And when I understand that, okay, I leave this scientific question, I move to another one. And of course, it takes you a lot of energy to build this new question. And uh, you have a lot of doubt uh, when you are doing that. That's for sure. And there, when I shift uh, to this new scientific question, I was so exciting again. But now I understand that when the things start to be uh, not well in a project or in a specific question, now I sit down, I discuss with few people, and I say, okay, now we have answer to this, to this point, to this point, to this point. We cannot answer to more than that. And we have to stop. And we have to take sometimes to build a new question. During all your career, you cannot stay in one signaling pathway. You cannot have only one scientific question. There is few people who is doing that, but most of the researchers will not be able to do that. And uh, when I start to understand that, that I will not be the big professor with my huge name around a specific protein or a specific topic really tied, I think that everything changed and I understand that you can have some fun and excitation on different scientific questions and you, it can be still exciting. So that's why uh, everything changed when I start to understand that. So it's about being flexible in, you know, in kind of an open to working on different things and in a way just keeping the flame going of you know your interest and your motivation exactly. of just being fixed on on one thing one of the things i'll be really interesting to hear from you is you know what what is it that you found the most challenging in navigating your your research career because at, at so many points in research careers you know we have to make decisions with who we're going to work with and you know the things that you've discussed several times you know the questions that we're asking the dynamic of interaction and you know choosing to publish here there or you know choosing to change institution lots and lots of challenges along the you know a, a research career so in in your case what 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 is the thing you think has been the most challenging in, in navigating that space? Actually, that's, the most exciting was to build connection and the most difficult was to build connection because the connection of the network for me was really key in all my career path, I would say, because I met different people which bring me some knowledge and also some tips to continue in my career. And sometimes you also uh, met the wrong people, it can happen. And actually, it's, it's some, you had some bad feeling at that moment when you meet such people. But you have to admit that's the life, I would say. <laughs> you cannot meet always good people with good connection and with good tips. And you, at the end, but it takes time to understand that it's quite useful to meet them because you understand where you don't want to go in terms of research, but also in terms of way of doing your research, which is really uh, also important uh, in addition to the specific research question. The way of doing the, the research for me is really key in order to, to, be, to stay uh, yourself, I would say. 
in, in the way you like to work and not to be uh, frustrated by pressure or by any uh, decision that you have to make, which is key. And if you are not feeling good when you take this decision uh, and you do not have the smile when you go to your job, uh, actually, I think it's not, it's, not a good, uh, it's not a good thing. So all everything that I, I, I take in terms of decision was to try to keep me happy the most uh, time that I can. So that was my, my, my feeling. That's a good place to be. And, and it's true that sometimes the collaboration that you start until you are in the middle of them, you do not know what it's going to be like. How do you navigate yourself out of a collaboration once you realize, actually, I, I do not enjoy the interaction with this person, this collaborator actually doesn't have my best interest or isn't actually necessarily interested in what we're trying to do. And exiting a collaboration is hard. So in your case, what would you say is your approach when an interaction where you, you may have had a lot of hope at the beginning actually isn't turning out the way you want? Because you could carry on and then feel again very frustrated, and then but sometimes it's just better to stop it. So what's been your what's been your approach in terms of saying okay, this has to stop and we have to move on? Actually, uh, at every step like that, the discussion is really the key things: discussion and clear decision. Uh, because if you keep a long time with uh, not a, a clear cut decision. Actually, it would be wrong. It would not be good for for all the interaction and the future interaction that you will build. So I would say that first it's discussion, and then is to make a clear decision and say the the truth. I would say it's, it can be stupid to say that, but sometimes it's quite difficult to tell to the people the the truth. I would say, and it's not easy, but it's the most a simple thing that you, uh, I would recommend to do. This happened to me that for a specific scientific question, the connection that I got with a guy was bad. So I, actually, I decided to stop it. And it was a clear discussion and without any fight, I would say. And then for a totally different scientific question, we again do a connection with these people. And it was really useful. Uh, so I think discuss and be clear uh, with the people uh, for whom you are not, I would say, in the good shape at that moment. Uh, it, it's really key. Do you think that by, by working with Nestle, which is a big international company, in a way, the impact of the work that you want to do will be more impactful in a way in terms of actually making a difference? I cannot know that. I cannot answer to that. That's for sure because there is a huge opportunity touching the public, but also the scientific world. Because actually, I'm in Nestlé, but as you know, I'm also in Fidelio, so I'm still connected with the academic world. And I think that the connection between industry and academic is really key for science, for research, and actually at the end for patients. And academy without any industry cannot do a job, and industry without any academy, they cannot also uh, propose product or do their job. So actually, that's where I want to, 
work again and improve my work is between the connection between industry and academia. That's why I'm still trying and still have a lot of connection with academia colleagues and friends. That's why I'm pushing tools to maintain this interaction and this type of work between industry and academia, because I think that's the win-win situation. And certainly with the COVID situation, it's certainly something that we see how important it is to have this, this collaboration. Nicolas, what would you tell your young research self in terms of making the journey easier or the wisdom that you would want to give to yourself? I would say that keep, keep to be excited by your scientific question. If you are not excited... I will not wake up. I will not have a big smile during the journey. So the main thing is to be sure you are excited by your scientific question. If you have that, you have everything for me. And do you have a few tips maybe for some of the researchers out there in terms of having effective collaboration? Because, you know, through the, the, the experiences that you've had in academia and in industry, Collaboration is everything. I think the, the most important things for me is to, to be yourself. Without that, actually, uh, the people that you will see will have the feeling that you are not yourself. And actually, they will not build on you and they will not help you. Uh, so everything for me, most of the collaborative connection that I made, I, I think it starts to be some friends. And so this is really key for me. The connection is be yourself and discuss a lot uh, with the people around you in order to start with them to see how you're going to build your new, new scientific question. This is really key for me. Mm. Well, thank you very much, Nicolas. It's been really a pleasure uh, talking to you. I do hope to maybe meet you during one of the Fidelio meetings at some point. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Dear listeners, three points to make from the discussion I had with Nicola. The first one, do not be scared about research ideas and letting go of some of the topics that you may have worked during your postdoc. When you move on to your fellowship or your lectureship, you may have to build entirely new projects. And ideas are limitless. And we do, should not be scared of having to push towards new ideas. And sometimes we may have to let go of the projects that we've cherished for many years during our postdoctoral time to build new research questions, like Nicola says. The second point is about really spending time in building a research network. Research networks are really the building block of our success in the research world. And some of us, myself included, always find building networks extremely challenging. And I think the best way of thinking about it is really to think about building a network through one conversation at a time. It's about making friends, it's about engaging with people through interesting conversation. It's about finding people who are interested in our ideas, finding people whose ideas we find interesting, and just talking. And the final point that I'd like to make is about also the truthfulness of the conversation that we need to have. Being truthful in terms of accepting that sometimes conversation can be hard, 
accepting that expressing feeling may be important when we are challenged in some of the relationships that we have in, in our professional environment. And sometimes accepting that we have to say goodbye when relationships do not work in the professional context. So being truthful and being daring to have the conversation that we need to have. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast and I will see you next time. Goodbye.